He's amused Cam Newton. He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, would you have scheduled this game? He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go, Tarion. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. As he, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sail. <laughs> it's time for the drive with Josh Graham. We've made it to a Friday drive. WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad, where the NFL schedule has finally dropped. We have 18 weeks set in stone for all 32 teams, but zeroing in on the Carolina Panthers... However the game shook out was going to be viewed through the lens of what it meant for their number one overall draft choice at quarterback. We knew that. This may be an unpopular opinion today, but based solely on the schedule, the Panthers should hold off on starting Bryce Young right away. Now, obviously, how Bryce performs in training camp, how he Forms in the preseason certainly matters a lot more than the placement of these games if he's outperforming Andy Dalton and it's obvious. But if that's not the case, if it is close, if he does have a lot of things to grasp, you know, being a rookie going into the year, the schedule makes it a tougher decision than it otherwise would have been given how things shook out. And here's why. Two of the first three games are on the road. Atlanta, not known to be the most hostile of environments. They'll be charged up for the opener. That's tough. Crowd noise, the entire deal. He's dealt with it at Alabama. We know that. But what he hasn't dealt with, probably an edge rusher that's as good as Bud Dupree is, who the Falcons picked up in the offseason, or Calais Campbell, who they added as well. They really bolstered things up front. Then you got the Monday night football game that follows that. Then you're on the road at Seattle, which matters because after Monday night football, it's a six-day prep where you're going on the road to the West Coast. That's as tough of a turnaround as you're going to find in the league. Seattle's going to play on Sunday, and they're going to be at home by Sunday night. Carolina plays the next night, and then they go to the road And they have to fly across the country. That's not easy. And Seattle has one of the greatest home field advantages out there as well. Sandwiched between those two games, you got the New Orleans Saints, who Andy Dalton played for just last year. So if tendencies matter to you at all, if experience matters to you at all, if knowing the personnel matters to you at all, you might consider starting the veteran pretty early on and rolling out Bryce Young a little bit later on because this is kind of crazy. Carolina hasn't opened the regular season against an NFC South opponent in nine years. 2014, you have to find the last time that happened. Now they're opening up this year with two NFC South games. And the Panthers, they're trying to win the division this year. They think they can win right now. So you can't afford to have a rookie just go out there and... Let's just figure it out. You can get some of those rookie mistakes out of the way against division teams from Jump Street. That's a really tough ask. It's not a knock on Bryce Young. You might be thinking, you drafted this guy number one. You should think he's pretty good. Last I checked, Peyton Manning was drafted number one too, and he went 3-13 and his rookie season. You don't have to play Bryce Young out of the gate. There are two spots that make some sense. 
if you want to start him a little bit later on, depending on how Andy Dalton does, of course, early on in the season. You have week four against the Minnesota Vikings. After that two out of three on the road stretch and playing at Seattle, you're at home against the Vikings. That's still a little bit daunting, too, when you consider Zendarius Smith and Daniil Hunter might be the best pass-rushing duo in the National Football League. But it is at home. You can open up there. The next two weeks, Detroit, they're off on a 10-day prep. They played on thir- They will play on Thursday night the week before they play the Panthers. So they'll have a 10-day prep. You have to go on the road to Detroit, who a lot of people think are going to be pretty good this year. And then Carolina goes on the road to another playoff team at Miami. Then they go into their bye week. So the two spots, to me, just based on the schedule, it would make sense to break Bryce Young in, would be at home against Minnesota in week four, or after the bye week against Houston, where you're supposed to beat Houston, you would open up at home, and you'd have two weeks to get ready, and it's a little bit more manageable of a stretch than any of those three game periods I described earlier. Weeks one through three, weeks four through five. It's not a popular thing today to say. It's not popular to say, you drafted this guy number one, you're not going to start him right out of the gate. I understand that. But the way that the schedule fell... It's going to be a more difficult decision than I think a lot of people are suggesting that it's going to be. And who knows? Maybe Bryce Young outperforms Andy Dalton in a way that's so obvious where you absolutely have to start the guy right out of the gate. Hand the guy the car keys in that situation. I reserve the right to change my opinion if that happens in the preseason. Obviously, football comes first. That matters more than the placement of the games. But based solely on how the schedule shook out, I don't think it was favorable to Bryce Young and to Carolina in a way that it might have been if you opened up the schedule, say, with the Houston Texans at home. Or if you did open up against the Packers now with without Aaron Rodgers on your home field and you're playing non-division opponents your first couple of games out there. Games that have a little less urgency attached to them than the division games obviously do. On Twitter, at WSJS Radio, if you want it. We have a Twitter poll up. When would you start Bryce Young if you were the Panthers, based on the schedule? Weeks one through three, so right out of the gate. Weeks four through seven. After the bye week, week seven, or redshirt. Those are the four options that we presented. Your thoughts, welcome at 336-777-1600. The Twitter feed is also where you can stream video in addition to YouTube and Twitch. Make sure you subscribe there. The reason I'm wearing overalls without a shirt underneath today oh boy is because of how many of you have subscribed will dalton the executive producer of this show wd it is the last day of overalls week and this is the most uncomfortable i've been all week you know uh robert our former producer he Mm -hmm. actually thought you were in a good position there to maybe do some arm farts into the mic but you've forgotten how to do that yeah i became an adult he doesn't believe you robert walsh he knows (laughs) I'm sure. He probably did it, does it every day to start his day. Oh, yeah. Robert it's routine. Robert says it doesn't count wearing overalls for a full week if you don't go shirtless. So here I am. I have. And I'm not in love with it here on this Rhinestone Cowboy Friday. What I am in love with, though. Yes. Yes. The Carolina Hurricanes have advanced to the conference finals. Mike Maniscalco going to be a guest with us on today's show at 5.30. Make sure you're around for that. They won an OT last night to take out the Devils in five games. And what struck me from the game was just how special of a coach Rod Brindamore is. 
how special of a coach he's turned out to be. Before he became the Canes coach, he was already an all-time player, Hall of Fame caliber player. It's ridiculous he isn't already in the Hall of Fame as a player. And he might be better as a coach. He already is one of the most important people in franchise history. His number retired the whole deal. But he might be even better as a coach. And it's the feel of the game that he has that was on display. A special feel for the game that he has. It was on display last night when they needed him most. He might be the best coach in the sport. I mean, in overtime, you have a power play. There's a stoppage. You have a timeout. You could use it to keep the first unit out there. Instead, Brindamore, with a hunch, had some unconventional thinking that was rewarded in that moment where he decided he was going to put out there the recently cobbled together line that featured a fourth line center and Paul Stasny running it. And that hunch, that piece of unconventional thinking was rewarded with an overtime goal to win the series. Here was Rod Brindamore on the thinking of keeping that unit out there or putting that unit out there. Well, the other group didn't wasn't doing too much. And to be honest, it was interesting because you had a minute there, you have your timeout, and you're like, okay, I go to Jeff, we're talking, do we take the timeout, let these guys go? And I'm I'm like, no, you know, Stas is a great face-off guy, and it's just kind of a feel. I said, let's let these guys get a crack at it. And he won the draw, and, you know, they run their set, and Quickie's been thrown on there. Uh, doesn't play much on the power play, but I know one thing, he's going to stand front, and, uh, you know, he got reward for it. Quickie is Jesper Foss, who tapped in the game-winning goal. Think about what Rob Brindamore's done since becoming the Canes coach. Let's just think about it this year. He's overcome losing not one, not two, but three top six forwards this year. Losing Teba Tarabainen in a playoff series against the Islanders. Losing Andrei Svechnikov. Losing, you know, Max Pacioretty, who didn't play much at all this year. You lose those guys and you're still in the Eastern Conference Finals. And you score 24 goals in five games against the Devils. Close to five goals a game across a five-goal series or a five-game series. That's incredible. He's made the Eastern Conference Finals now twice in five years. He's made the playoffs every year as the Canes coach, winning the division three times the last three years in a row. And it's easy to forget this now, but when he inherited the job, when he became the head coach, the Canes had missed the playoffs nine straight years. And here they are in the Eastern Conference Finals again, and going to be favored likely against whomever they play. The Hurricanes have a special one with a special feel, and he just might be the best coach in the National Hockey League. The Drive with Josh Graham, only on WSJS. We will be joined by Will Pelagic of Charlotte FC in just a few minutes for our weekly visit. First, some college basketball news today. Duke's schedule, at least the non-conference, almost complete for next season. Today we learned the Blue Devils will be facing Baylor at Madison Square Garden. This will be right before Christmas that they play, shortly after the Tar Heels are playing at the Jimmy V Classic. A very good opponent. Obviously, Baylor won a national title a couple of years ago. Most of the meat is on the bone now, or 
we've gotten to the meat of the non-conference schedule to this point. The rest of the way, I think there are four possible spots they can fill. You're probably going to fill that out with teams that are not so good, all due respect, pay games that you expect to win. And the first week of the season, they're going to face Arizona and Durham. They're going to face Michigan State the following Tuesday. So they'll probably play three games at least in the eight, nine-day span. We don't quite know who their opener is going to be against yet. There's a Queens College game that's out there. They joined D1 last year. They'll be in Durham right before the new year. You got the Blue Devil Classic and MTE that they're going to be playing around Thanksgiving time that will give the Blue Devils three games that they probably should win. There's one more big item, one more big shoe to drop with the schedule, and that's the ACC-SEC Challenge matchup. And this is the biggest thing that we need to know for everybody. Is the ACC-SEC Challenge going to be in December like the ACC Big Ten Challenge was? Or is it going to be like the SEC Big 12 where games are played in January? Because if I were given the two options, I'd like it to be played in January. You halt conference games for a little bit. And for a week, you have these great out-of-conference matchups where you're not worried about how developed teams are. Oh, this team's going to be a lot better a month from now than they are at this moment. I I think you'd probably have a more valuable data point if that were the case. In terms of a team to face, Alabama makes the most sense to me, I would say. But that actually might be a good place to start with our first guest today. Because we're now being joined by the voice of Charlotte FC, Will Pelagic, who joins us each and every week. You can listen to him tomorrow as in Atlanta. Atlanta United facing the Charlotte FC super team that we saw last <laughs> week uh, in person get a 3-2 win against New York FC. Before we get to the soccer, uh, what we were just talking about on the way in you own a degree from an SEC institution at Mizzou. Would you? Mm-hmm. Who would you like to see Duke draw in the ACC SEC challenge? I'll clarify. I own a degree from a Big Twelve school. That's that's what they were when I was there. <laughs> yeah, I'm an East Carolina guy. Conference USA, stand up. That's about to say. So I, I I prefer my Big Twelve. I think I think my degree took a downturn when it went from Big Twelve to the SEC. So. Uh, I don't know if I'll claim that, but in terms of uh, Duke's potential partner in the ACC-SEC challenge, uh, give me Duke and Alabama. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Two big brands, Nate Oates. Man, that's what I'm about. I think you and I are aligned in this. Um, How special was last week's game for Charlotte to see them net three and not give up the goal late? Not it to be a tie, but to get the result they wanted. It was a lot of fun. Uh, probably one of the most fun games that we've got a chance to see at Bank of America Stadium. Uh, I'm thankful that you and your cohorts got to see it live as well, too. I, I need to ask you about how uh, the time was for you guys in the suite as well. But in terms of what we saw on the pitch, uh, it seemed like every time Charlotte had themselves a punch, New York City came with a counter punch, but then Charlotte once again added a counterpunch of their own. And that's something that I feel like we really haven't seen much of from Charlotte uh, in either of the first half a a year and a half in their time here. So I think from from that aspect, you're seeing maturity, you're seeing resolve. And I also think you're seeing a team that's playing for its manager. I think that Christian Latanzio is somebody who has 
put forth the charge and said, hey, look, this is going to be something where we need you guys to be have all hands on deck. They're in a situation right now, Josh, where they're going to be playing midweek contests every week for a period of about four weeks in a row, maybe five if they get one more win in the U.S. Open Cup. So it's a scenario where you've got games twice a week. It comes fast and furious, and they've been able to stand up to the challenge, at least in these first two of this stretch. Uh, I'm very, very impressed with what we've seen. You mentioned us being in the suite. I need to give you a lot of credit. A week ago, you joined us, and you said, hey, make sure you keep a lookout for the dessert cart that shows up mm-hmm. around halftime. Now, we went to visit you and Jess in the booth with the, the entire cohort at halftime of the match. Which we WD stuck behind smartly because he was there when the um, cart came by. When I mm-hmm. came back, I saw a cart going by, and it immediately triggered in my head, oh, this is the dessert cart that, <laughs> that Will was talking about. So I hawked it down like... Ben Watson back in the day hawking down Champ Bailey in the playoff game. That was me tracking down the cart. And then one of the gentlemen on that cart said, what, what suite are you in? And I told him, oh, I'll, I'll, I got you. And he brought me some cheesecake. That was fantastic. Mm, I was about to say, did, did, I, did I not speak eloquently enough about the uh, amazingness that came from that? Yeah, it was fantastic. WD got a cookie. What was the highlight of your uh, trip to Charlotte FC? WD. Just the overall vibe was really good, man. Like David Tepper, he's got it going on. It. We need to go to the supporters section next time. Yes. yes, the beer shower. We need to get in on that. If I if if you if you go, I I suggest you uh, wear clothes that you're all right <laughs> not wearing again, because they will stink uh, if Charlotte FC scores. Cameron Indoor Stadium for the Duke Carolina game. I do the same exact thing when it comes to shirts. Hey, you might not want to wear that again. Okay, understood. Mm-hmm. Um. My takeaway from the schedule is an unpopular one that we've mentioned earlier that I don't think it's a good thing. If you want Bryce Young to start right out of the gate, I don't think it's a good thing that a team that wants to win the division is opening up with two games that you don't really want to ease into. You're you're playing two division opponents. Two out of the three are on the road. The middle game is (laughs) against Andy Dalton's former team. So there's some familiarity there. And What's probably most important is it's a Monday night game that follows that's followed by a West Coast road trip on a short week to Seattle, which is one of the toughest places to play. I I don't know if it's locked in stone that Bryce Young's going to start. I don't think the schedule makers did the Panthers any favors if that's in fact what they want to do. What do you think? I take it about it from a different different context, Josh. I think what they did was they made the runway happen for the Panthers to actually start Bryce. I, I wow. think what they basically said was, hey, look, we're going to give you two important games right away, and they're basically daring him. Hey, by the way, there's your opportunity to give Bryce two important games because if you're the Panthers, you want Bryce Young playing in all your important games. And I say this as somebody who has been very much the – you know, I'm not 100% angry if Andy Dalton starts the season, but I always said, you know, as a clarifier, I want to wait to see what the schedule looks like because depending on how it looks, you end up uh, maybe needing to change your mind. And I think this probably changes their mind because do you want to have the Panthers playing on Monday Night Football with Andy Dalton standing back there, or do you want to be able to uh, show off that shiny new car? In my opinion, I feel like you want to show up the shiny new car. So from that aspect, 
they're doing all the right things. They're going to say all the right things. This does not deter their plan. I think eventually they want to get to a point where Bryce Young is their starting quarterback in week one. It's just a matter of whether or not he can actually show the prowess that we all thought he could by that made him the number one pick. It's an interesting other side to it. My thought is just play the guy who gives you the best chance to win. And I don't know if right out of the gate that Bryce Young is a better quarterback to have out there than Andy Dalton. And these are games that you have to win. Like, I mean, Peyton Manning went three and thirteen his first year. These these things happen. So I don't I don't I don't disagree with the theory about that. I really don't. But because again, I, I I get yelled at this morning by Mac being like, "Do you not think that Bryce Young is the guy who can make things happen? Do you think? Why would you draft in number one if you didn't think so?" So I, I I see the other side of it, but I also understand that at the end of the day, this is a business, and I think David Tepper wants to have Bryce Young back out, out there on the field. I'm not saying he would dictate policy in this fashion, but I think part of the reason why that schedule was put forth the way that it was is so that the number one overall draft kick pick can be on the field. Will Pelagic. Good to see you, and we'll talk to you next week. I I wanted to make some sort of pithy comment about the uh, about the overalls, what, but what uh, I know it's being done for a good cause. So uh, yeah, I'll, well, I'll refrain. Yeah, it's you know. So you don't think I should wear it next week when we chat? No comment. It's the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. The Carolina Hurricanes are off to the Eastern Conference Finals after a gentleman sweep of the New Jersey Devils. And now we're being joined by Mike Maniscalco, Canes play-by-play man for Bally Sports. And Mike, let's start with the important stuff. WD has seen the natural since our last conversation. He's watched Gladiator this week for the first time. And per the recommendation of App State football coach Sean Clark in studio this week, he's going to watch Pretty Woman next week. Your thoughts? Uh, you can skip Pretty Woman. Uh, you Whoa, can. wow. Whoa. No, I mean, there, there's there's just other movies I'd put in front of Pretty Woman. That's all. Um, first off, The Natural filmed in my hometown of Buffalo, New York. So that's a good one. Uh, thumbs up. Robert Redford was amazing in that. The cast was phenomenal. Although they, uh, in the words of Peter Gammons, absolutely bastardized the book, uh, which they did if you read The Natural. Um, there's no happy ending to the book. No, there is not. Um, and then there's Gladiator, which is, are you, were you not entertained, Will? Oh, I was very entertained. Very. Yeah, that, that movie is. The unleashed hell. That is one of my, one of my top fives. Uh, have you seen The Untouchables yet? Oh, you don't even know what that is, I bet. Uh, no. It's like 86, okay. 87. And no. Bump, bump that one, bump that one in front of Pretty Woman. I'm not saying don't watch Pretty Woman. I'm just saying there's, you can skip it until, That'd be like the top 100 movies I would say he would need to watch. That's like in the 90s. Yeah. Mob I mean, it's movies. on the list. I mean, I get it. It's just. It's, it's probably the top mob movie we haven't gotten to yet. We made him watch Goodfellas and he watched The Godfathers, obviously, but we haven't gotten to that in Casino. He watched The Departed. We haven't gotten to Casino or The Untouchables yet. Uh, have we gotten to a Bronx Tale yet? No, we have That's not. That's another one on the list. All right. Well, we'll let me get my pen out. Write that one down. Mike Maniscalco joining us this week. Pretty Woman, my mom's favorite movie. Happy Mother's Day to my uh, mom. So that should be fun next week. What struck me last night watching Rod Brindamore's postgame press conference after the Canes clinched the series, 
Man, just how special of a coach he is. Obviously, he was already a special figure in Carolina Hurricanes history. He's as humble as they come, so he'd never say this. But his intuition to put that recently thrown together power play grouping out there with Stasny that ended up in the game-winning goal rather than calling the timeout and going with the first unit, that's just the good stuff. I mean, having a feel as a coach, overcoming the loss of three top six forwards and you know, still scoring 24, 25 goals in a five-game series. And, you know, after a nine-year playoff drought, five for five for making the postseason, three division titles, and now two Eastern Conference Finals appearances. You're around the guy every day. You remember being around him when he was a player. What do you think sets him apart? Uh, just you use the word, his feel for the game. Uh, he doesn't coach the game as a coach. He, he's coaching it as a player, and he still sees it through the eyes as being a player. And that is a tremendous advantage, Josh. And I've said it before. I will say it again. Anytime anybody ever asks me, why have the Hurricanes gotten to this point? How have they reached this level? It starts and it ends with Rod Brindamore. Yes, you have to have players. You have to have talent. You have to have guys who can score and, and play the system. But you have to have somebody to empower those players to go out and play the game the way that the Hurricanes do. And they play the way that Rod Brindamore played. They are unwavering in every shift with what they do. They are determined to play the game the right way. It's a hard way to play uh, for 60 minutes. But when it is right and everyone is invested, what you see is what you've seen in these first two rounds of the playoffs from the Carolina Hurricanes, that they are – it doesn't matter what the score is. If they're up five or down four – they're going to play the same way. They're never out of it. But it starts with Rod Brindamore. And he's going to be the one to tell you that it's it's the players. And, yes, that, that's a huge hand in it. I think the, the Canes have – and I'm not going to do the small market thing. The way that the Canes play, they are not going to attract bright lights because they don't have a 150-point guy. They have guys who could go anywhere else and, and put up more points in, in, a, in a different system. They really could. But they wouldn't be the same players if they are. They, I don't think they'd be – as great of a player like Sebastian Ajo could go someplace else and I think he could get 100 points but he is a superstar in this system the way that he plays he's a point per game player for the Canes and then on the back end they brought in Brent Burns everything they wanted him to be as advertised but Jacob Slavin I get into this rant all the time Josh and you and I have talked about it he's the best defenseman defenseman in the National Hockey League. Mm -hmm. I know there's other parts to it. There's the offensive side of the game, and I think he really has more uh, on that that he can give. But you just watch every single night what these guys do, and you understand, okay, this is why this team is in the position that they're in right now, which is four wins away from the Stanley Cup final. And what strikes me about Jacob Slavin is the down-to-earth nature of him as well. I, last week when I was at um, um, uh, game two, I think, of the series, um, I go to, up to Jacob. We had him on in the show. And he, he was like, hey, you and I, we talked about this. And all of a sudden, like five, ten minutes later, we were talking about what churches we go to. And he was telling me, oh, I know that pastor. I know this person. Yep. It's as if we've been friends for 10, 15 years. And that's I just that, met the guy face to face. But that's that's the whole locker room. It, it honestly is, Josh. There's none of that, you know, I'm, I'm bigger than the team or I need this. That's why this team is so successful, that they're able to – put that ego and they all have it you know they're all great players you get to the nhl you get to any top level of a sport you have to have an ego to get there i mean everybody does but the, the fact that they park theirs for the betterment of the group and i've always said it the sum is far more important than the parts for the carolina hurricanes and they all know that so 
And it's a good group of guys to be around. And you can walk in and have a conversation with any any one of the guys sitting in front of their locker room after a game or after a practice. Mike Maniscalco is with us here from Bally Sports, voice of the Canes. Table Terravine, and we saw him skating in a yellow no-contact jersey yesterday. He broke his hand during the Islanders series, of course. I know you're not a doctor, but did you stay at a Holiday Inn Express? Is it realistic to think he could return for the Eastern Conference Finals? I have honestly no idea. And any... Uh, as I have learned, uh, when you are asked these questions and you're in the position that I'm in, whatever <laughs> answer you give, where if there is a hint of saying, well, maybe it turns into, oh, this guy said today it's a definite thing. I know, I know. Put it on the uh, ticker. I, ESPN scroll, Mike Maniscalco. Yeah, Again, not yeah, a doctor, but, yeah, you know, holiday yeah, in. The, the, answer, the answer is I don't know. Um, and if you're in a yellow contact jersey, you're not close to playing until you put a red jersey on. I just know it's a broken hand. And, you know, there's so much that goes into it. You get the broken hand. You're going to lose your conditioning for a little bit. Then it comes down to the ability to handle the stick, to shoot, to maneuver, and, and be able to not just make a pass, but accept a pass the other way and the little things that go into it. Uh, I, I, I cannot give you an answer uh, that would be adequate because I don't want to sit here and say there's no way and then maybe he does play and I don't want to sit here and say maybe he does and there's no way he he does it's for the doctors for the team and it's really up to him I, I do know that the team is is doing everything they possibly can to get him onto the ice to make sure that he's comfortable but at this point in time I do not have an answer that I could give because I did not stay in a Holiday Inn Express and I am if you saw my grades in high school, college, they were better. I am clearly not a doctor. <laughs> Mike Maniscalco is with us here. And, um, you know, I, I guess uh, you've been around the sport for a very long time. When I think about Carolina Hurricanes history, when it comes to guys coming back, Eric Cole coming back for game six of the Stanley Cup finals after going out with that rough hit against uh, uh, Pittsburgh in March of 2006, that comes to mind. Uh, what's what's the craziest thing you've ever seen somebody try to play through? Oh, um, 2009, when it was all said and done in that that run, uh, Ray Whitney played with a pin in his finger. We didn't find that out until the end of uh, the end of that. Um, that's one injury that that stands out to me. Uh, guys have played um, with separated shoulders, like, you know, grade one sprains. Uh, that would keep you out for a month, but you know they they find a way to to play. Uh, I mean, through history, there's Jack Youngblood for the Rams. What was that in seventy nine eighty? Played on a broken leg through the uh, NFC Championship game, and then the Super Bowl. So I mean, guys played with it. The, the Whitney one is the one that's that comes to mind. There are other uh, you know guys have played on a torn knee ligament to get through. A postseason, and then for the, for the NHL playoffs, Josh. I mean, run the gamut. I mean, guys have have played through everything, through broken wrists and you know broken hands and broken toes, and you know they they find a way to to get there. But the one that that stands out, and we didn't know the Whitney one until it was over. I mean, and we're around it every day. Like, how do you not notice this? But that was it. Game five, Maple Leafs and Florida Panthers tonight. Florida trying to close out after going up three games to nothing. They are up north tonight. Could the bracket have fallen better than it has for the Carolina Hurricanes? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because everybody says that. Uh, they had to go through the Islanders. And, you know, even when you win a series in five games or six games, it, it's tough to get through it. And I know when everybody says, look at the bracket, 
well, Josh, what if Florida or Toronto wins in, in the next round? Then are we going to sit here and say, oh, the bracket broke great for Carolina. I mean, any team you play, especially in the Eastern Conference, you know, Toronto was a, a betting favorite in the preseason to win the Stanley Cup. The Florida Panthers last year. Why does everybody forget Florida had the best record in the NHL last year? Because Boston, they, it really yeah. what people are saying, I guess, is lazily they're just saying, oh, the Bruins lost. That, that's well, what no, that's, and, I mean, that's it. As, as, as the story of this year was written, um, you know, you look at, at what Boston did and you're like, oh, they're this, this Goliath. They can't be beat. Well, you know the story about Goliath. He gets beaten. Um, in, in this situation, you look at, at what Florida and Toronto bring to the party. They're not going to be an easy out, no matter who it is. And for me, the Florida Panthers – uh, with what they've done, I think this is what they were expecting to do all year long. They've just gotten to it in the postseason. Mike Maniscalco, hope you're doing okay. What was see? Give some advice to the people out there. You're great. You're a great person to go through for <laughs> advice. Uh, uh, your go-to Mother's Day move. Like, what should the fellas be doing? Who probably right now listening to my voice had forgotten Mother's Day is on Sunday. Um, candlesticks always make a good gift. We found out where they're registered and get, oh, no, I'm sorry. That's Bull Durham, and that's for a wedding. I'm mad um, WD didn't catch okay. that right away. So the number the number one thing to do is call mom. Like that, no matter where you are, you call mom. That is the first thing you do on Mother's Day. You know, give mom a little bit of, of leeway to sleep in, I would say, like around 9.30, 10 a.m., just to call over to mom. FaceTime or are we talking cell phone? I mean, if 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 they're techno, you know, if they're technologically savvy, right? Uh, yeah, FaceTime. FaceTime's better, you know, because they get to see you. But the old call, whatever is done, make sure you get a Mother's Day card. It does. You can go sentimental. You can go funny. You can do whatever you want. It really, truly is the thought that counts. Uh, flowers. I always say, know your mom. There's some moms who want them. There's some moms who are like, oh, you know, whatever. But you should have this all mapped out uh, and and. I think that we're doing the public service announcement here. Know that it's this weekend. You know, don't let don't let it sneak up on you Sunday morning and you got to run out to, you know, the the local grocery store to find a card. Good luck with that. Mind you, that's probably what I'm going to end up doing on uh, Sunday morning. But here we are. Now I got I got some time, though, so I can at least map it up. But the, the phone call or the FaceTime is key. That is that is 100 percent the key. Because that tells, you know, mom, we're, we're thinking of you. And yeah. a card's nice. Yeah, it's better to be home, I imagine. I'm, 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 against the, I'm against the brunch thing. Like, that's become the big thing. Yeah. Like, you, you take mom out for Mother's Day brunch. And, and, you know, all that does is clog up the middle of my day. And now I'm thinking more of me. Take her out for a nice dinner. Take her out for, for you know, a nice breakfast, maybe, if you want to do that. But the whole brunch thing. I think it's I think it's getting a little played out. Maybe make dinner for mom for all the time mom made dinner for you. If you are if you're savvy in the kitchen. Or if not, you know, order out. There you go. It's the best advice I can give right now. Mom, if you're listening, happy Mother's Day. Excellent advice. She is listening. Mike Maniscalco, thanks so much. She never misses she I'm never misses a show, Josh. Ever. Never does. Like we she's one of you're you're thank you. Thank you. To, uh, the man of scout goes mike uh hope to talk to you sometime soon thanks for doing this uh anytime uh will pirates of the caribbean to the curse of the black pearl if you haven't seen that one. Oh, i love that series. okay see okay. he, he does he loves series i'm not a big series yeah. guy like star wars is his thing yeah pirates of the caribbean that's his jam mm -hmm. he hasn't seen harry potter or lord of the rings though i mean i have seen lord of the rings oh, that's harry a surprise. Potter. yeah spider-man all those mm -hmm. yeah
Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? I have not seen any of those. Any of them? Any of them. That's all right. Right. But, I, but I hear the newest one is a tearjerker. We're going to, all right, we're going to, no offense to any coaches out there putting Pretty Woman on the list, but we're moving that down two notches. Oh, I'm for this. I love superhero movies. The un, The Untouchables and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 have to be seen before Pretty Woman. Mike, you're the best, man. I do what I can. There he goes, Mike Maniscalco from Valley Sports joining us. And shout out to all the moms across the triad, and specifically my mom, who I think is listening to this right now. I know my dad probably is, and he's probably running over. Debbie! Debbie, they're talking about you! Yeah, I love my mom. And I am not going to say anything more about cards or anything of that nature because understanding that he's probably brought the phone to her by now. I know she's probably listening to this, but love you, Mom. What do we got in Ticket to the House? It's a Rhinestone Cowboy Friday. It seems fitting with what I got on right now. New Jersey police are on the search for a very unusual peeping Tom. Next on The Drive. Now back to the drive with Josh Graham. I've been walking It is a Rhinestone Cowboy Friday. WD's wearing shades indoors for some reason. Hey, we're all wearing stuff. I have overalls on. I can smell these. Oh, God. Not that bad. I put them on right before the show starts. I take them off as soon as the show ends. We got through the entire week. Today, shirtless, though, was sweaty, uncomfortable, but it all culminates at this point. I dedicate this to the audience that is responsible for me wearing this get-up. Now let's sing some Glenn Campbell. Like a rhinestone cowboy Riding out on a horse in a star-spangled rodeo Like a rhinestone cowboy Getting cards and letters from people I don't even know And all those coming over the phone To close the week out, let's take it to the house. Past the 15, past the 10, past the 5, for the drive, we'll take it to the house! One, two, three! Brought to you by East Coast Wings and Grill, the last order of business for this week. What do you have, WD? In New Jersey, police are warning the township about a peeping Tom. Take those shades off. No. You're, you're indoors. Yes, but the future's bright. It's unsafe. Oh my goodness. <laughs> It's unsavory. It's Friday. Okay. It's Friday. Yeah. So in New Jersey, before I was so rudely interrupted, sure. they're looking for a peeping Tom who's a goat. And not Tom Brady. Not Tom Brady. Uh, Reminds me of my favorite line from the movie, Talented Mr. Ripley, which I know you've never heard of or nope. never seen. No. How's the peeping, Tommy? Tommy. Tommy. How's the peeping, Tommy? How's the peeping? 
Police are advising people not to take the law into their own hands by trying to apprehend him. Uh, the goat apparently has just been wandering out around the township, showing up at people's doors, just looking into people's windows. Uh, Do you know the movie Psycho? Classic. Probably the most famous peeping Tom scene the, ever. The shower. Yeah. yeah. I know that. Look at you. Horror, Horror movies. movies. So yeah. you're in on that. Uh, Norman Bates, the entire deal, the Bates Hotel. We get it. But do you, you don't even know who Philip Seymour Hoffman is. He's one of the best character actors ever. I know the name. Yeah, but you can't name a movie. You don't know I what he looks like. Either. Psycho. Well, no, that's the 40s. Oh. I'm talking, how's the peeping, Tommy? Tommy. Uh, I can't say the first line that he said in that movie, but it's one of the greatest introductions to a character I've ever seen in Paris. If you know the movie, you know it. And also, I'd venture to say the most handsome a movie, the most handsome an actor's ever been in the movie ever might be Jude Law in The Talented Mr. Ripley, which also has Matt Damon, Matt Damon, and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow in it. It's a great movie. It really is. One of the best casts that have ever been collected in a movie. That movie's about 25 years old now. So yeah, that was the peeping Tommy. I only know Gwyneth Paltrow. Well, I know her from a couple movies now. You know who Matt Damon is. Come on. I said Gwyneth Paltrow. I know. You said, I know who Gwyneth Paltrow is, but you know who Matt Damon is. Yes, I said I Matt do. Damon. Yes, okay? I do. Trying to tick me off to close things out here. <laughs> What's in the box? Yeah. we got to figure out a Philip Seymour Hoffman movie to introduce to. Capote's not really a lot of fun. Neither is the master. Got to watch Guardians of the Galaxy now. Yeah, according to the man of Scott. No, you're still watching Pretty Woman next week. Ah. You are. Like, I'm sorry. So this is the drive with Mike Maniscalco. It's the drive with Josh Graham. And per Sean Clark's orders, you're going to watch Pretty Woman next week. So you know what Julia Roberts is all about. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll be back for a Monday drive.